do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio, where we talk about great stuff. <laughs> Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who does want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. This is podcast number 515 which is the area code that I had when I went to school in Des Moines, Iowa. I was going to say, that was our Des Moines, Iowa area 515 code. 515-243-7001. I think that was my wow. dorm room number, but I, wow, could be, I could be mistaken. That's pretty impressive. Pretty awesome. Um, today we're going to talk about Ace. Ace. And we're not talking about my fraternity brother named Matt Carruthers, because his nickname was Ace. No, we're not talking about him. Uh, Ace stands for Adverse Childhood Experience, and we're going to go through that. But first, a few things. 1440... October 25th through the 27th in yeah. California. Next weekend. A weekend from next weekend. A weekend from next from this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're interested at all and you happen to live on the left coast, check it out. It's uh, on our events page. The West Coast. Yeah, it's also, if you look at a map, it's on the left side. I yeah, know it's like I a Democrat-Republican thing, too. but The West Coast. Yes. The West Todd is and I are, the best. Todd and I have been in the car today for like 80,000 hours. Um, because we've been driving back and forth to Michigan. And so we talked this morning about our Zen Parenting uh, 1440 weekend, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be off the hook. Uh, You know what else is going to be off the hook? What? Our um, Zen Parenting Conference, which is, according to Aunt Peg, 137 days away. How does she know that? She just posted something on um, our Team Zen Facebook page. Wow. Is that true? 137 days away. You know what I do know is coming up is that the if you're coming to the conference and you haven't gotten your tickets, um, early bird ends November 1st. Yeah. So that's in like two weeks. Yep. So get your tickets now um, for it's February 28th and 29th. We um, have how many speakers do we have now? We have quite a few. Rachel and Tony and John. Rachel Simmons, Tony Porter, John Duffy. And we have Gemma Hartley. And we have um, uh, Debbie Reber. Reber, and then we have uh, Maureen Muldoon, who is facilitating our um, panel about non or about transgender and non-binary. So it's a really rich conference this year. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's the best word for it. Rich. It's just got a lot of good people and good stuff. I was going to say awesome, but rich works too. Yeah. So February 28th, 29th, go to Zen Parenting Radio. Dot com and get your tickets. Um, real quick, the Tribe Men's Group, we have a retreat coming up in 96 days. Wow. So um, guys, if you're out there and you want to unplug, connect, and transform, go to tribemensgroup.org. If you're a lady and you have a guy in your life who might want to step into the unknown and be vulnerable and connect with amazing men, uh, just forward them the link, uh, tribemensgroup.org, or just email me. I can get point you in the right direction. Um, pop culturing. Yeah. We had St. Elmo's last week. Yeah. We promised Spotlight for next week. Are we doing we that? We might pull an Audible <laughs> because we had so much fun doing 80s movies. I know. We might have to do another 80s movie. So we might switch over to Pretty in Pink or Breakfast Club, but we might be Spotlight. We don't We don't know. You, you have to subscribe and find out. Pop culturing. That's right. Um, okay. Sweetie, can you describe in your words sure. what adverse childhood experience test is? Well, Okay, so ACE or ACEs. Um, so in the 1990s, I think mid-1990s, uh, the CDC, which stands for... Um, Center for Disease Control. Thank you. And uh, Kaiser, they together, they're both well-respected um, you know, research places. Um, they together did a study um, 
to find out what happens when children have certain traumatic experiences under the age of, on this page it says 18, mm-hmm. um, but I have heard even younger. Have, is it 18? The questionnaire says while you're growing up during your first 18 years okay, of Okay, it does say 18. Yes. Okay, thank you. So basically it, it's... I'm not going to bore you guys with how this study began, but it kind of began by accident. Mm -hmm. But what they found is that if you have um, a certain number of adverse or traumatic uh, childhood experiences, it actually can... it demonstrates a link to it's a, predi- it's a predictor. It's a predictor of risky health behaviors like chronic health conditions, low life potential, even early death. Yeah. I mean, this is like it sounds so like wah wah, but it really is one of those um, things that we're so focused on these things that kids ingest or, you know, chemicals in the air or chemicals in our bottles plastics. or plastics or, or whatever it may be in making sure that we give our kids like the most healthy upbringing possible. But this study talks about how certain kinds of abuse and neglect and other potentially traumatic experiences can play as big of a role in our childhood health outcomes. Mm-hmm. So it's something that we don't pay enough attention to. Um, it's interesting because I was listening to Nadine Burke Harris, who really brought this mainstream. I mean, she wasn't part of the initial study, but when she found out about the study, she really started talking about it, making it a part of her TED Talk that came out in 2015. All links will be in the show notes. Yes. And the reason that Todd and I are even talking about ACEs today is because Nadine Burke Harris was on Dak Shepard's podcast last week, and she w- she brought it up. And I just so happened to talk about it in my college class. And we, we talk about that every year. And then we talked about it at Women's Circle too. So it's kind of been in the air. And I think, and, and just so you know who Nadine Burke Harris is, she is the Surgeon General of California. And she- Also a pediatrician. A pediatrician. I think you have to be a doctor to be the Surgeon General. Right, but General. not a pediatrician. True. Good point. Um, but her goal is in the next year or two to have this this ACEs test be a part of a, of a screening process for all children. Yeah, like a physical or, you know, whether – they talked a little bit on Dax's podcast about – you know, how do you ask a five-year-old right. these questions? And you don't. You ask the parent. Right. And what's funny is a lot of the questions, and are we going to go through the questions? In, in, after we're done explaining okay. all of it, yeah. Um, so there's some gray area on how to administer the mm-hmm. test mm-hmm. depending on how old the kid is. Right. And this is the thing that I think is most interesting. This is a very Zen parenting thing to talk about is that if you guys were listening to what I just said about when the study came out, it was in the mid nineties and we're in 2019. So here we have this study that comes out and it's been duplicated, I think 70 times. Okay. okay? And duplication, um, or, um, verified, verified it's, I want to say that they say replicated. Okay. I can't remember what the research word is that you researchers out there are yelling it at me right we're now. We're not scientists. We're not scientists, but basically they've been able to, you know, replicate this, this research. And, Yet it still isn't really that mainstream. I mean, I I think I first started teaching ACEs in my college class two years ago. And before that, I had never really heard about it. And the only reason I had happened to read something, so we talked about it in class, like it wasn't something that was a part of any books that I was using in my class. The first time I heard about it was a few months ago. And because the SAT, the, Uh the college prep test, the president said, we're going to use this as part of the application process. The ACEs test. The ACEs test. Mm -hmm. 
um, since then, I think that has gotten pulled back, but it doesn't matter that part of it, but that's when I heard it. So, so here's, what's interesting is that part of the reason, and again, uh, Nadine Burke Harris talks about this in her Ted talk a little bit at the very end, but part of the reason that this is really difficult for people to grasp is because everybody can see themselves in it. Mm -hmm. And we really like to do an us and them thing. We like to say things like, oh, I'm not at risk for any of these things. Those people are, or I'm not at risk for that. I don't live in that area. Those people are. And we don't like to see our, ourselves as part of something like this. And, and again, that's just, that's not, I'm not criticizing or, or saying that we're not good people. I'm just saying it's interesting psychologically how we deal with information like this, because there really is a discomfort with owning it. Yeah. You know, that even, you know, as Todd and I go through these test questions, it's not things that we even do. It's things that we experience that we don't have control over. So it's nothing, there's no blame game here. Yeah. It, you know, it's really, if we have, and again, the reason why I love talking about this on this show, it's self-awareness. Yeah. If you have a better understanding of yourself and then you can make choices in how you're going to raise your children differently, then you may have, your children may have better health outcomes. Like this is really a no brainer. Like I don't think I've met, you know, I've never met a parent that hasn't wanted their child to have a better health outcome. Well, totally true. Except for the fact that some of these questions are basically, how do I say this? It has a lot to do with the parents. Parental involvement. Yeah. So yes. like it's say you have an eight-year-old and the and the question is directed to how an eight-year-old might answer. And it's about mental illness and substance mm-hmm. use, substance abuse. And it forces us parents to look in the mirror about how our behaviors, capacities are impacting our, children. Our, our kids. And that's exactly what I mean about this is why it hasn't gone mainstream. And how we were impacted by our parents. Exactly. It's it's a evolving kind of thing. It's a it's a, you know, a cycle. It's yeah. passing down baggage kind of thing. And a lot of parents say when they, you know, when their kids are given this test, because there are a lot of agencies and there are a lot of independent doctors who administer this test. Like sure. it, it hasn't yet reached mainstream where every doctor by state law or federal law has to offer it, but a lot of people already do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Sometimes it's just having the information and knowing that these things aren't just harmful in the moment to you. Mm -hmm. They're actually harming the entire family. And a lot of times, or your children specifically, and a lot of times- And community and beyond. And community and beyond, because everything is a ripple effect. And again, even the language I'm using, it sounds so harsh. Todd and I will take it up, meaning we'll talk about things you can do. Um, But a lot of times there's disagreement about- let me just give an example. When you come from a family where something is really normalized, like um, super heavy drinking in sure. front of the children or um, you know spanking mm-hmm. or slapping or things that you maybe grew up with that you're like, I handled it um, and so why should I not do this? Sure. You know, This is one of these, this is some research that gives you not just, hey, it might harm your kid or disconnect you. It's bigger than that. This may cause health problems for your child down the road. I have some bullet points specific to that. Go ahead. Um, So first of all, this test originally took place with 17,000 subjects. Correct. Like in San Diego, California, 
and they were middle class college educated. Right, for and the most mostly part. white. Mostly white. Mm-hmm. And what they found out after they administered these 10 questions mm-hmm. that we're going to go over, that 21% of the people that filled it out um, suffered from sexual abuse, okay. 21%. 21%. 19% suffered from mental illness in the family. Okay. Mental illness in the family, meaning someone in the family had it. Yeah, not in that. your household. Okay. Mm-hmm. 28%, they were physically abused. Okay. And two-thirds of the people that took the test answered at least yes to one of the 10 questions. Right. Okay. Um, and what does this mean? So if you, so there's 10 questions and it, it's either yes or no answers as I understand it. And if you answer yes, then you get one point. And the more points you have, the higher your score is, higher likelihood. and the higher mm-hmm. the score is means a higher likelihood that you might have some issues as you grow up. So if you score a uh, a four on this ten question test, you're twice uh, you're twice as likely to suffer from um, you know heart disease and depression. I've got them all here. Do you want me to say them? Um, let me do this real quick. Okay, go ahead. You, if you score a five, you're eight times more likely to be an alcoholic. Okay. Uh, if you have six, if you score a six or more, um, you're, I don't know what the percentage is, but you're likely to die 20 years earlier than the average. That's norm. the one that blew my mind. Yeah. 20 years difference in your, you know, overall lifespan. And again, this is, you know, this has been a predictor for mm. since the 90s. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just a, Think about anything else in the world, Todd, any other kind of um, thing that could affect our children that could take 20 years off their life. Right. I feel like we'd be all over it. If we found out that the plastic we were drinking took 20 years off our life or that sleep was um, this imperative, you'd make sure that your kids got more sleep. But this is something I I took this test and it took me three minutes. Yeah. to figure this out. Yeah. And and the results of this test are a predictor of how likely it is that I'm going to struggle with these certain things right. as I get older. And again, let me say this because I always want to make sure we're not scaring people. It's a predictor. Right. It's not like the presence of an a, a high A score does not mean that the child will absolutely experience these outcomes. It's just, and I'll, I'll just say exactly what they say. However, children's positive experiences or protective factors can prevent children from experiencing adversity and can protect against many of the negative health and life outcome. I don't like that sentence. I don't like it. I'm trying to like give the most factual information, but it's easier to talk about it. Basically what they're saying is that if these things do not happen, meaning these 10 things, if a child can go through their childhood without experiencing them, they are more protected later in life from things that can be um, ultimately challenging. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? They're less likely to pick up substance abuse. They're less likely to, um, experience even, and again, here's the thing. It's, it's not just about behaviors. It's also about like our lungs and our heart. Like it's not just about, will you, um, you know, make a choice to, to drink or to do drugs. It literally is like the outcome of what your how strong your heart will be or whether or not you'll get a lung disease like trauma on a child on on humans affects their physical well-being 
because of all, because of the experiences we have when something scary happens, something negative happens, something traumatic happens, all of the the chemicals that run through our body and the adrenaline and our fight or flight, um, you know, all of that like causes a reaction in the body that can actually change. Causes dis-ease. Causes dis-ease in the body. It literally changes the hardwiring of the brain and it also changes the way that our body can function. Right. So these health outcomes, and I've been using that word over and over again, it's not just about mental wellness and it's not just about substance abuse because I think sometimes we can, we, we sometimes are too literal about, oh, that child had something difficult happen. That's why they decided to drink. Right. And it's not that... Um, it's it's so many other things sure. that can happen that are beyond behaviors. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so is there anything? Because I feel like this is going to make more sense once we go through the questions. Okay. Uh, do you, is there anything else you want to say before I go through these? Um, I think I mean a lot, but I think I can do it while we're talking. About okay. It. So I'm going to ask everybody who's listening if you feel like it. I'm going to ask ten questions. And I would invite you to take the test with your own childhood experience. So don't right. forget about your kid for a second. Okay. Yes. Because you because it's it gets messed up in your brain if you're thinking about if I'm thinking about me and I'm thinking about my dog. Okay. Well, let me say this: um, that as you're doing this for yourself, as we're reading this and you're thinking about this yourself, the whole goal of this is not to say, okay, well, you have four or above or you have five of abo- or above, you're screwed. That's not really, that's not the way it works. If you have had some kind of intervention, if you have had some kind of, you know, you have, like have a mindfulness practice or you've done talk therapy or you have recognized your the childhood patterns and chose to not you know, continue those or continue the cycle, everything in your body has already shifted. Mm. Okay. I'm not saying that it's all back to perfect norm. What I'm saying is sometimes we take a test like this and we're like, oh my gosh, if I had five or above, then I, then all these things that we were saying before are automatically true for me. And they're not. Yeah. We're going to go over some of the things that you could do if you find you, if you find that you have a high score. Right. But also that feels like it's on the other side of this test. And what I'm trying to say is even before we give you this test, you may have done things that are preventative already. Yeah. Do you see what yeah, I mean? You've Todd? already, you've already manipulated or, or modified. You've already, you've already recognized the, the typical pattern or the most predictable pattern of what might happen. And, and you have, well, it's not really that it's not about the pattern that might happen. You have already, because of your childhood experiences, you knew that, that, things were not well with you. And so you got help on your own, which shifted the way your brain experiences the trauma, which changes the way your body deals with the trauma. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like- But that's if you've done those things. Correct. But, uh, okay, you and I are like going back and forth about this. But what I'm saying is sometimes if if we give this test and say, oh, and here's some things you can do, it makes it sound like you may have already done things. Right. Okay. Do, Got it. Am I am I being clear? I think so. Okay. I mean, obviously. If, <clears throat> well, let me just let me just say let me just give a you know an example, like a client of mine that I know experienced um, sexual abuse when she was growing up, and she also was hit. Not you know enough that it became something often for her, and she started treatment when she was in college, like when she was seventeen years old. She started talking about her experiences. She started healing some of those wounds. She started talking to her family about what she experienced, and so a lot of those patterns, even if she scored high on an ACE score, she's already been working on it her whole life. Right. Okay. So I think a 
lot of people who listen to this are already in a place of just the fact that they're listening to Zen Parenting Radio. Sure. They already are in a place of practicing self-awareness. Okay. Got it. All right. So um, question number one. Uh, first, I'm going to set up the questions. All the questions start out like this. So I'm not going to reread the beginning of each question. So they all start like this. While you're growing up, during your first 18 years of life, did a parent or other adult in the household often dot, 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 okay? So while you're growing up during your first 18 years of life, did a parent or other adult in the household often? And they bold often. Yes, yes. Question one, swear at you, insult you, put you down, or humiliate you, or act in a way that made you afraid that you might be physically hurt. So if your answer is yes to that, and you might have to press the rewind 15 seconds on your on your phone to kind of go through this test, but if your answer is yes, then you get you mark your score as a one. It's either a zero or a one. So if you say no, it's a zero. Number two, did a parent push, grab, slap, or throw something at you or ever hit you so hard that you had marks or were injured? If it's a yes, give yourself a one. If it's a no, it's a zero. Did an adult touch or fondle you or have you touch their body in a sexual way or try to actually have oral, anal, or vaginal sex with you? Question number four. Did, a, did you often feel that no one in your family loved you or thought you were important or special or your family didn't look out for each other, feel close to each other, or support, support each other? Question number five. Uh, did you often feel that you didn't have enough to eat or had to wear dirty clothes and had no one to protect you or your parents were too drunk or high to take care of you or take you to the doctor if you needed it? Question number six. Were your parents ever separated or divorced? Number seven, was your mother or stepmother often pushed, grabbed, slapped, or had something thrown at her, or sometimes or often kicked, bitten, hit with a fist, or hit with something hard, or ever repeatedly hit over at least a few minutes or threatened with a gun or a knife? The answer is yes. Give yourself a one. If no, then it's a zero. Question number eight, did you live with anyone who was a problem drinker or alcoholic or who used street drugs? Question number nine. Was a household member depressed or mentally ill, or did a household member attempt suicide? And last but not least, did a household member go to prison? So Okay, so overall, <clears throat> what this test is looking for is first emotional abuse, um, then physical abuse, then sexual abuse, and then neglect. And there's two questions about neglect, then um, experiencing uh, divorce or separation in your family, then domestic abuse, watching someone be abused, um, then uh, addiction in the home, then mental illness in the home, and then prison. So those are the, because there's obviously like when we talked about this at Women's Circle, the question was, what about if a family member passed away, like died while you were young? Is that on there? And it's not. Right. So- that's just an example of there's many other experiences that a child can have that don't fall under this ACEs exam. But what they have found, again, this is research-based, these are the things that tend to contribute the most. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that other traumatic experiences don't, don't contribute. contribute. Right. It just means that when you're doing research, you focus on the things that tend to be the most likely. Yeah. So the reason I, when Kathy told me about this test, the reason I liked it is because it quickly and simply and easily helps you understand somebody. Like if you, whatever, if you have a friend or if you have a client, like I'm thinking of my my men's group where I, like if I was hosting an evening where we were talking about our childhood, 
if I know somebody's an eight, I know that there is most likely a lot of work that needs to happen in order for that man to really step into some vulnerability. Possibly. But right. this is where I want to be careful right. because some people, even with a high ace, have become self-aware. Of course. Right. Of course. Possibly. So mm-hmm. it's a predictor. It's, a predictor. it's all a predictor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas somebody who scores a zero, I'm guessing that that man might be more likely to step into some kind of vulnerable moments um, because he probably is more trusting. Well, and, you know, think about it in a brain science way. Like somebody who has not had as many traumatic experiences um, maybe has a greater access to their prefrontal cortex. They may have the ability to rationalize a little better, um, not have such a reactive stress response. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, one thing I, I do know is that sometimes parents are grateful to have this exam given to them because then they understand their own stress response, like why their reactivity is so high. It gives them more information about how their hardwiring developed, how the experiences that they had. Because a lot of times these things on this list, especially if it's a, it's a cycle like, or it's typical in our, um, culture or it's typical in our neighborhood or it's typical, um, with the people that we spend time with, we normalize it and we think this is not something I should really get, you know, worked up about. This is not a big deal that I got hit all the time or that someone slapped me. And, and what it is, it's, it's not about saying, yes, it's a big deal and raging against it. It's saying, yes, it had an impact on your brain development. Yes, it had an impact on your own reactive stress response. So it just gives you a little more information about why maybe some things you, it's more difficult. Your, your anxiety levels are more high. You're in a, you're, you have, um, a harder time calming yourself down initially or being rational in your thinking. It's, it's just another way of seeing life patterns. Yeah. Well, and when I took the test, I, there, there's some nuances in these questions. Definitely. And I, 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 I don't know if I score a three or a four. I yeah. think it depends on what lens I'm looking at my family childhood in. But I know for a fact that if my my mom's no longer with us, my dad's still alive. If I had my dad take this test, I know for a fact he would score much higher than I did. Correct. And I know my mom would have also. Yes. So for me, it's kind of like an evolutionary process. Like, first of all, if you score an eight and you find that you that your kids would score a three right now Mm -hmm. like you're certainly not a perfect parent and neither are are any of us Mm -hmm. but you're moving in the right direction this Mm -hmm. is about breaking patterns Mm -hmm. family patterns generational Mm -hmm. patterns and just moving towards evolving Mm -hmm. as a human species absolutely and this is just a very easy way to kind of give yourself a check in to see how you're doing. And you know, the whole idea of doing the test is not about pointing a a finger and having a blame game thing going on. It's about, we have the opportunity to address these conditions that put children and families at risk. Because some parents, if things have become too normalized, they don't even realize they're putting their child at risk. Some of these things are very obvious. You know, some of these things are, you know, it's very clear. But some of them, you may not recognize that this actually has an impact. And and again, like some of these things like separation and divorce, I mean, 51% of the country experiences divorce. It's not as if that 
that is like a deal breaker for children, you know, but we know all of the, we know the research and we know. Well, two thirds of the people scored at least a one. Correct. So we know. And this is the thing is it gives, okay, say that there is a separation or divorce. If you have information that you understand how a child can be affected by separation and divorce, you can make better choices along the way. Some obvious things that I can throw out. You don't put your children between you and your former partner. Mm -hmm. You don't use them as a pawn. You don't tell your child negative things about their other parent. You don't, um, you know, use your child as your therapist and tell them all, you know, I'm just giving examples of the reason that divorce and separation affect a child are because of some of those things that sometimes parents aren't aware that their children are becoming kind of a dumping ground for the pain. So when we were listening to Dax, if, if yeah. this is if this topic is interesting to any of you, I encourage you to listen to Dax Shepard's podcast. It'll be in the show notes. They interview Dr. Harris for about 90 minutes. And then also um, uh, Nadine Burks Harris, uh, her TED, TED talk, talk. Which is mm-hmm. eight, 16 minutes. Correct. So yeah, start with a TED Talk, mm-hmm. which is a good idea. Mm-hmm. If you like that, then move over to Dax's podcast. But one of the questions Dax asked Dr. Harris was, but if... If, you know, because this is, I think, in the system in California right now? or It's, it's going to it's be. It's going to be. <clears throat> and Dax is like, well, what if there's like a 26-year-old mom with a six-year-old daughter? Like, what are the odds of, because they ask the parents at that at that age. They don't ask the kid. What are the odds that the parents are going to fess up to all that? And she had a really good answer. And the answer is like, kind of like what you're saying, that research, the data suggests that if they score a certain amount, they're more likely to have, you know, smoking, alcoholism, obesity, suicide, and all that. Like, you have to frame it like, what's at risk here? This is a health risk for your child. It's a health risk. And 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 not to, because um, I don't know, was it in the podcast where they talked about how, you know, like, the minute something bad happens to a kid, like there's potential abuse or a perception of abuse, you remove the kid immediately. Well, and this gets into the social work component. Like there, there's a few things to think about. And we all have stories from the news that we think about where either a child was removed too quickly or wasn't removed fast enough. And just so you guys know, like the goal, at least I know of DCFS here in Chicago is to keep families intact. You know, that's the goal. Obviously there are times when that's not possible, but you, that, why you want that is because it can be just as traumatic to be removed from your family. So the goal is always to help the parents or the caregivers in while they're with the child, support the parents and the, and the caregivers so they can still have the child in the home. So you're, you're, you're offering them services. The other thing that they do with the parents is instead of administering the test to the parent who has a young kid and saying, answer these questions and then give it back to me, you, it's a blind test, meaning you as the doctor, the pediatrician, the social worker, you don't see what they answered yes to. Really? Yeah. Oh, so that's that. how they do it. So the parent feels like they can Safe enough to yes. answer with, with authenticity. Exactly. So what that means is you get something back that'll say they scored a four, but you don't know which four oh, of those they so scored. Oh, so you'll get the number. Mm-hmm. You just won't get which ones. Correct. Got it. And then you can say to the parent, okay, your child has a four. Let me tell you what the likely outcomes yeah. are now because of this four and can't. And so then the next question is, what do you do? Well, imagine that you had a kid who came in who had a heart murmur or who had like the blood sugar was off or they had something else wrong with them. You would refer them, right? Mm-hmm. You would refer them to a heart doctor. Yeah. You would refer, you know, um, and with this, you, this is another opportunity for referral. Yeah. 
I'm going to refer you to either social work or I'm going to refer you to some kind of services to give you the support that you may not have. Right. But it's not about I'm going to refer you to DCFS. It's not to catch people. No, yeah. that's not the goal at all because the hope is, again, the long-term, the, the hope for all parents and children is that you can give them the tools so everybody can stay intact. Yeah. That's always the goal. Yeah. You know, and again, it's we've heard too much. Um, you know, we only hear the really negative stories mm-hmm. on the news. But any of you who have worked in this, you know, again, it's called DCFS in Chicago. You know that people are doing the best they can. And again, it's a really difficult kind of work, right? And what can also be difficult. I mean, I personally have worked with children who have come in and told me things, and I am what's called a mandated reporter, and I have to report sexual abuse or physical abuse or um, some, you know, an abuse that is threatening the child in some way. Um, and that is that doesn't also mean that the child will be removed from the home. That just means that there is right, just because you make the call no, doesn't mean you're going to lose your kid. Not at all. Yeah. It, but it's something that a mandated reporter has to do. But again, that's um, that's a different note. This test is not about catching someone right. doing something. Right. This test is about making sure that parents have the information they need so they can make better choices for their children's life outcome. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know if this is, I'm going back a little bit here and I don't know how important this is, but, and Dr. Harris did a much better job of explaining it. So I'm kind of over my head and just trying to explain this. But the one thing that Dax and Nadine talked about was they'll be like, well, yeah, of course you're more likely to have some of these things because these people turn into smokers and drinkers. So of course they're going to die earlier. And what she explained was uh, statistically and uh, scientifically, they've removed that those out, variables, those variables out of the test, mm-hmm. and yet, even if they didn't do those things, like mm-hmm. they didn't drink and they didn't smoke, they're still that much more likely to die of these things. Exactly, and then that's what we were saying at the beginning about okay, so you remove those variables. The, those variables, and again, she she's like you said, she explained it more eloquently on the show about how. There's now there's been studies about the study, yeah. right? So they're like, okay, well, yeah, they're dying earlier because they're smoking. No, they've removed that out and they have figured out that they still have the same health or life outcomes. And that's because of the stuff that we talked about at the beginning. The experience that your body has when it's traumatized, it causes a, a physical and neurological outcome that then leads to uh, greater risk. Well, in the, the term that you and I kept in the card today, we're talking about fatigue, like uh, adrenal fatigue, adrenal yeah. fatigue. Yeah. So basically, if you get stressed out a lot when you're a kid because you're worried that your mom's going to get hit, or your dad's going to get hit, or you're going to get hit, your your uh, stress levels are on hyperdrive, and they can get fatigued, and it can modify your ability to be empathic. It can modify your ability to even feel your feelings. And I feel like, you know, between Kathy and I, Kathy scored a much lower score than I did. Yes. And she feels um, much more clearly. Mm-hmm. She has much more access to her feelings than I do. And what's cool, but once again, I'm going back to this podcast. What's cool, what she said is, okay, so I have a little bit more, I don't know what the word is, removal, numbness, and I can see that as a curse or I could see it as a blessing. And I'm choosing to see it as a blessing. How can that be a blessing? Well, I 
can handle certain things a little bit more than you can. Like we were just talking about Turkey and Syria last week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just today too. And you're extremely bothered by this Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of... I feel the people. Suffering. Yeah, there's people suffering and dying. I, in my brain, I feel sad, but in my body, I don't feel what you feel. Right. And that doesn't mean that Kathy's a better person than I am. It's just the way I'm wired. Now, maybe it's because I'm wired that way, or maybe it's because it's a result of certain things that happened as I was growing up. But I have the ability to maybe do things that Kathy can't do because I have the ability to detach a little bit. So it's not like one person's better or worse. No. But I do feel the need to at least say that. Yeah, there's been like more of a bit of a, a adrenal fatigue over your lifetime where you have and, and this can be and again, this is where, like you said, you and I get in over our heads because we're kind of like pulling the research and trying to like Yeah, we're just move layman's it our terms, filter, right. right. But you know, is that because of the way you develop neurologically mm-hmm. where you learned how to you know, kind of like we talked about with um when we did the show Unbelievable on Pop Culturing, we talked about how the girl, when she was um, experiencing even her own, when she was being raped, Mm -hmm. she already knew from her childhood trauma how to disassociate from a painful experience. She already knew how to do that. And and again, when I say she already knew how to do that, it, it didn't keep her body from experiencing the trauma, but she already had a way because of previous trauma to like get herself, her like brain out of that situation. Um, and when you have had a lot of experience with trauma, you can shut off a lot faster. And let me be very clear. That's not, again, you're trying to say it's a positive thing for you, but it really, your body is still experiencing the trauma though. You're just like shutting off from it. I think the body is experiencing the trauma, but I don't notice it as easily. Right. I don't feel it the same right. way. And then the what Todd then experiences is, he's right. Like there are times when I'm so overwhelmed that I say to him, I wish I was more like you and I didn't take in things so intensely. But I also, because I can take in things pretty intensely and feel deep sadness and and I also have a, an extreme joy feeling. Yes, that which Todd I, can't I can't access as easily as my sweetie can. Right. And, and again, so it's like a... Um, there's, there's pluses and minuses in both. And it's, it's, oh, it's great that you and I found each other. Right. Cause if we were both like me, right. That'd be kind of shallow and awful. We may not know what we were missing. I guess not. (laughs) Or if we were both like you, that would also be tough. We might be in a ball in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) We might not be, no, I'm not that bad, but I really do need, I like the idea sometimes of asking Todd, is this going to be okay? Almost like I'm a five-year-old. Is this going to be okay? And he'll be like, yeah. Like he doesn't have the same kind of fear response that I do. No. Um, and it is he, but he also, if I'm if I'm struggling with something or maybe somebody else is, he can't tap into them. Right. He can't feel them. So we keep going back and forth. People who listen to the show know th- these things about you and I. But you can see how it shows up even from Todd having a higher ACEs score, much higher than mine, um, that it is possibly the way that he was neurobiologically and physically developed. Well, and it's just yet another vehicle towards empathy. Like I can, after taking this test, I have a little bit better understanding of why you can feel so easily. And you hopefully have a better understanding of why, how sometimes it's hard for me to access those feelings. So. If whether it be a couple or a parent relationship or a sibling relationship, 
It's just, it's more information for me to understand somebody else. Right. So let me say this. When we were saying before about, okay, so a parent takes this ACEs test for their six-year-old kid and they, again, it's done blindly. So you don't know which ones they answered, but they do say, okay, they scored a four. Um, then it's like, okay, well then we're going to refer them for services. What does that mean? Cause referral for services can sometimes sound like a scary thing yeah. to hear. Really? This is the hope in the long run. This is like what the, the hope is, is to, um, help, uh, families with their household financial security, um, help them with maybe their work policies. Again, that may be difficult to help just one specific family with, but the more we information we have about how things affect child development, maybe the more likely a company will have better policies around supporting the family. Does that make sense? Okay. The other thing that, uh, you know, as far as referring for services, um, changing social norms to support parents and help them with positive parenting, you know, like help them you know, see things through a different lens rather than the old lens of fear, shame, and guilt, help them see why connection is so important, why discussion is so important. You know, a lot of what, um, you know, this kind this test and understanding how a child develops, it really connects very well to, uh, Dr. Dan Siegel's research, um, about the whole brain child and just about how, why integration is so important when a child is developing. What does integration mean? That we are helping a child use all aspects of their brain and helping them understand what their brain is doing so then they can reach and access the places they need when necessary. If your brain is experiencing integration, meaning you have a feeling, you know to ask for help, you have a parent who soothes you, then all these things help your brain develop in the most healthy way. It, it allows that prefrontal cortex. And again, that's at the very front of the brain to grow healthy and strong. So you can be a very rational, a very, um, uh, you know, calm, um, I was gonna say emotionally, emotionally mature emotion. That's good. An emotionally mature human. So all of these things like the, you know, the, the ACEs test and the 10 things there, that may a child who experiences these things may be their parent doesn't understand that yelling at a child and sending them to their room for the whole night and then not talking to them again until the morning and then pretending nothing happened thinking that they're teaching or disciplining their kid or not spoiling them or not spoiling is them. not good for their brain development doesn't, doesn't work so let me explain this and again i we're just so layman's term in terms yeah. here but so something Dr. Harris talked about is, okay, what can we do then? What are we trying to help parents with? So if a child experiences a trauma, something scary, something happens, um, they're afraid, there's a lot of feelings coming up. If a parent can sit with the child, talk to them, hold them, um, give them the support they need, what's released in the child's body is then oxytocin. Oxytocin then calms down all of that nervousness, all of those centers of the brain that that are like you know the um, that are that are on fire, you know, firing, firing. firing. I'm trying to like use the most basic words here possible, and then that calms that down, and then there's no long lasting effect. 
So all these things that Todd and I talk about on the show about how connection is the most important thing and about staying connected to your child and listening to your child and allowing your child to have an emotional expression and letting your child know what their feelings are, you know, allowing them to have their feelings if they cry, letting, you know, supporting them when they cry. All of these things aren't just because it feels good. It is good for their brain. Science. It is science. It is good for their long-term development. It's good for their integration, and it's good for their relationship with you, which, again, feeds. It's a feedback loop to the other things I said. Well, and it's like um, you just explained. It's like if you nurture and you give the space for the child to emotionally express themselves uh-huh. instead of... So the, the the opposite of that is you shut them down. Right. And And... You know, I don't have the words for it, but all these potential connections just uh-huh. stop. Correct. So like the brain is supposed to like start integrating. Correct. And it stops. Or the things, you know, as we know, neurons that fire together, wire together. So if, you know, a child is experiencing something, say that they were caught looking at porn. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a kid who's caught looking at porn and you yell at them and you are upset with them and you scold them and take their computer away and you you drive shame in there where they feel shameful neurons that fire together wire together so sexuality Mm. and shame get wired together and so these are the kind of experiences that we and again parents who are listening to this right now who are like oh my gosh that's not what i intended that's not what i never is it never is and this is why you know again i'm going to go back to what we said at the beginning we've had this research since the mid 90s (laughs) like you know i i say this always about educational research too like we know how a child learns best. Yeah. We know that sitting in a row in a classroom without moving is not good for their memory, yet we still do it. It's the same thing with parenting. Like we know that connection is what supports a healthy brain and supports a healthy body. Yet we still live in this place where we're like, no, I need to yell at my kid. I need to not talk to them. I need to be passive aggressive. I need to shame them because it's an old pattern. Yeah. Because it was done to us. So just like, you know, our motto, the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. I want to talk as if you're, you're, you're evaluating your own score. So let's say you score a four or whatever. Okay. I'm just making that up. The least remarkable part of all of this, in my judgment, although important, is like what to do. Like, oh, my God, I'm a four. Like, what do I do? How do where do I go from here? And it's all the stuff that you hear about all the time. Like, how's your sleep? How's your diet? Right. How much you exercising? Um, so like that's none of that was new to me, but yet of course that's what you Correct. that's what you do. You got to take care of yourself. Um, you know, therapy. Um, and she did talk about EMDR. Mm-hmm. Do you want to? Most people don't know what that is. Sure. So EMDR. Um, I we were just talking about it in the car because I've been doing EMDR myself for what three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say I've been doing it, I don't administer it. I my therapist. You're a yeah, I'm a of. recipient of it. And so EMDR um, stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Okay, how about that? That's a lot of syllables. And basically, what the goal of EMDR is, is to, um, I'll explain it the way that it works for me. You pull up a memory or you pull up a feeling. And when I say pull up, you like focus on a story or something that's scaring you or something that's really been bothering present you. Present day or? Um, you can start with present day. What is helpful in my experience has been to 
if you have a feeling or a fear, you know, the question that my therapist always says is, how do you remember the first time you ever felt that? Because mm. the farther back you can go, Better. probably the more connected you can get to the root, yeah. right? Even though even working in present time is helpful. But a lot of people do it with fears. Like say you're afraid of flying. It's like, when was the first time you were afraid of, you know, do you yeah. remember when that came up? But you can focus on it with present day and usually you can get to a place that's necessary. But um, basically what you're doing is you're trying to open up you know, a part of your memory that you can reprocess and that both your left and right brain can take a look at and maybe um, decrease, like, how do I say this? Um, deprogram? De it's, it Re is. Reprogram? It, it's a deprogram, like look at something and maybe see the non-truth that lives inside of it or the fact that something that happened back then is not happening right now. Mm -hmm. um, it is like shining a light on something and maybe looking at something through a lens of, oh, I was just a child. That's not true today. Yeah. Or someone was lying to me or something happened that wasn't my fault. Um, what I love about EMDR is the process of after I, you know, I get to a place where um, I'm looking at something and maybe I'm having the experience, I'm feeling the feeling of that time because that's another big part of it is a lot of times our brain kind of sections off something that we experience and it kind of gets put somewhere in a dark room and we're kind of opening the door and shining a light and sometimes there's some emotion that needs to be released. Like it's 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 kind of like a, a stuck, you know, I think about it in terms of like it's, it's not a stuck chakra, Re that's different. But yeah, it's like something that we're denying yeah. that we won't look at, but it continues to Show up affect us. Sideways. Right? So sometimes you have some feelings about it, but then my favorite part is, is then you can also go in as your adult self mm. and like talk to yourself maybe as a child and be like, you're okay and I've got you. So you can parent yourself in the moment. Again, lots of different clinicians use EMDR and, and I have heard, like I have my own personal experience, but I've read books about it and I've talked to my clients that I have right now who have had EMDR experiences and it looks different for everybody. Yeah. There's not just one way, um, but it's basically just designed to alleviate, you know, stressful and traumatic, you know, memories. Yeah. And it was originally, I think, used mostly for PTSD. Mm. Um, that was like where a lot of the um, research came in. But it's been very, you know, it's a, it's, it's like helps us work through distressing life experiences. Um, anything else before we close shop? Oh my gosh, are we there already? Well, we're 50 minutes in. Oh boy. Um, one quick quote, what's predictable is preventable. Right? Correct. That's kind of like the essence of what we're talking about. And if we could pay attention to cycles and if we could see our experiences and then evolve them or acknowledge what didn't work, then we can create a new pattern for the future. Mm. But if we pretend that the things that happened to us or didn't happen to us are fine and we don't want to look at it and we don't want to talk about it and whatever happened, you know no big deal, then we can't make any course correction. We can't. So this isn't about making yourself feel bad. This is about saying, what did I maybe not know right. about myself or about my belief system or about what my child was experiencing? And and in the bigger picture, and this, is, this will be the last thing I, I'll say, is understanding this can change our legislation around family issues. It can, and when I say legislation, maybe we can have a better family leave act. Maybe we can have a better, you know, you know, paternal or what is it called? Um, 
when men can go on leave when they their children are paternity born. Paternity leave? Paternity leave. Thank you. Maternity leave and paternity leave. Maybe we can make that um, more valued yeah. in the workplace. As a standard. Um, maybe we can have better early childhood initiatives yeah. because there are many and there, you know, but maybe it can be more of a... Uh, you know, expanded to all communities mm-hmm. rather than just communities who can afford it. Um, maybe we can talk more openly about parenting approaches and about what's effective rather than all of us like pretending we're doing everything right, you know, inside of our homes where, you know, we're not talking to each other about right. our experiences and, you know, just lessen the harm we do to these generations, this, these upcoming generations. Evolve. Evolve. Yeah. Get, get a, do a little bit better than than what you got. Leave the world in a slightly better place than you did when you got it. And be compassionate toward yourself, you know? Um, Avid Company, there is a man named Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty. He's our uh, partner of the week and has been for every week for the last nine years. Um, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. Avidco.net. We have something called Team Zen. Team Zen. Zero pressure, 100% support. We actually have a Zen talk today at noon. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday morning when this releases, you can get on and ask us a question. Um, We also have 67 previous Zen talks that you can jump into whenever you want. You get discounts off the conference tickets. Uh, be part of the Facebook community, and you we bring on authors. Yeah. To on Team Zen gets access to these authors that we know and talk about on the show. So, like a couple of weeks ago, we had Duffy talk to our um, Team Zen, and then there's another author I'm actually asking tomorrow if she'll come on Team Zen. I haven't gotten the yes yet, so I'm mm. not going to say who it is. But we've had Gemma Hartley on, we had Debbie Reber on, so. It's just an opportunity for a more intimate experience when it comes to, you know, it's a community. Yeah. And it's the engine that propels Zen Parenting Radio. So if you just feel like supporting us and joining the team, not knowing what you're going to get out of it, we certainly would appreciate that as well. Um, We don't really... Oh, uh, Yoga by Degrees. Do you know who they are, sweetie? I am there like three or four times a week. Um, They are our partner at the conference. So if anybody's out there that... Should I do a clap for them? I love Yoga by Degrees. Um, they are a local yoga practice throughout the Chicagoland area. You can go to our website, our conference website and learn more about them. And they are, um, they sponsor the whole conference, but they definitely sponsor our morning yoga. Um, the weekend of the conference, Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Is it 8 a.m. or 7 a.m.? Uh, it's early. It's 7 a.m. We offer a yoga class. So that is, they sponsor that. So if anybody's coming and you have a business or you know of somebody who has a business that would like to partner up with us, it would be pretty awesome to have them. Um, so yeah, we're going to be talking about more conference sponsors as we get closer, but I wanted to just give them a shout out to Yoga by Degrees. Uh, anything in closing? Just to say again, because Todd and I were like all over the board with this and we're kind of just trying to explain something that's really big in a short period of time, definitely watch uh, Nadine Burke Harris's uh, TED Talk yes. so you can get the research behind everything we're saying and then listen to Dax's podcast with her from last week. Um, and then there's more like you could, I know there was something on NPR. Mm-hmm. I know that you can just Google a website and read, you know, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention has like pages and pages about it. So, you know, this is just an opportunity. This is the beginning of the conversation. That's right. It's just to get you started. Yep. Oh, and I forgot to mention my coaching practice, Coaching for Guys, ToddAdamsCoaching.com. First session's free. Um, let's connect. Uh, that's it. We'll see you guys next Tuesday. Have a good week. Adios. Thanks for listening.
everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and feel free to leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe and review our pop culturing podcast, a Gen X viewpoint on movies and TV with an emphasis on personal growth and self-awareness. It's basically the flip side of Zen Parenting Radio. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen Talks through the Team Zen podcast app. Zen Parenting Conference 2020 is February 28th and 29. We'll be discussing sex ed, gender, anxiety, neurodiversity, and healthy relationships. Go to zenparentingconference.com to get your tickets. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. And while you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And guys, I have a one-on-one coaching practice. It's called Coaching for Guys. You want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationships with loved ones? We can talk in person, phone, FaceTime, you choose. And don't forget about Tribe Men's Group. We have a virtual community from men all over the world. Head on over to tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give them a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking. Mm-hmm.